Hello and welcome to the podcast, Are We Nearly There Yet? My name's Professor Andrew Sherry and I'm interested in people's journeys to discover who they are and what they're made to do. We can all learn something from other people's stories, so join me on another adventure. Today I'm talking to Reuben Holmes, who, after nearly five years at the National Nuclear Laboratory, has just started a PhD at the University of Tokyo in Japan. Welcome, Reuben, and thank you for joining me. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited for our chat. Good to see you, actually, um, on Zoom and stuff. So, um, Reuben, you grew up in Yorkshire, uh, in Haworth, and then you moved to Cumbria, uh, where you went to secondary school in Millham. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and what you were like and what you enjoyed doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, I wasn't the most studious person in the world, but I I think I can characterise those years of doing enough to remain competitive, really, while devoting enough time to other things like sports, uh, playing tennis, and um, also air cadets. I was um, quite heavily involved in that. Um, and after about four years there, I became the highest ranked cadet in my squadron. So that was sort of a, an early sort of dip into leadership, served me quite well, I think, so far. Were you ever tempted to go into the forces full time? I was, yeah, absolutely. I think until the age of about sixteen, that was my that was my aim. Um, but then my eyesight deteriorated, and I really I just wanted to be a pilot. So that that door was quickly shut. So um, I had to think of alternative things. You had to think of something different. That's a shame, isn't it? So you thought of chemistry. What what was it about chemistry? I, I kind of excelled in geography, physical geography. That's what I, I really loved at that, that age. I remember learning about sea defences and stuff, the, the theory in the classroom and then going out to St. B's on school trips and, and seeing them in real life and how they worked. And that, that just really fascinated me because I could see it with my own eyes, see it working. Um, but I made the decision that geography probably wouldn't uh, have the career uh, prospects that I really wanted. The other thing that I enjoyed was chemistry. And I was really lucky because I had two great chemistry teachers. Um, one was David Mason, who won the uh, science teacher of the year um, on that year that he was teaching me. So he was a massive influence. He was, he was a great teacher. Um, but then in my second year of A-levels, um, I was taught by Dr. Simon Bennett, who is now working at now. <laughs> <laughs> so he was my colleague for a while, which was a bit strange. Um, but I think he was the only teacher with a PhD that I'd ever come across. And I could really tell that he, he had that in-depth knowledge. Uh, so, I, so I had a really different experience with him as a teacher. And, and I think together, uh, those, those two teachers really sort of inspired me to, to go into chemistry. Yeah, it, it is amazing, isn't it, how the passion that you see in some teachers and and not others really influences the things that you're interested in at school isn't it yeah absolutely and I think um they, they were both really visual um rather than just reading from a textbook it was about how do we make these processes that are going on within a test tube within a flask how do we bring them to life 
through pictures and, and, and images and, and videos and such. And, and that really, I really got that. I could, I could see what was happening. Um, so I think that really inspired me. You sound like, so you're quite a sort of visual thinker, are you? Yeah, I, I think I've, I've realised that over the past uh, few years. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the way that I like to learn and like to operate. Um, so you did do chemistry. You went uh, up to Scotland to St Andrews to study chemistry with medicinal chemistry and some industrial experience in the middle. Was there something about the medicinal chemistry? Because that's quite unusual, isn't it? Yeah, so I think when you start at St Andrews, you start in general chemistry. Um, and then when you get to I think your, your second or third year, you decide whether you want to stick with straight chemistry or whether you want to specialise. Now, I remember looking at the list of modules that you would take in general chemistry or medicinal. And the medicinal one had a lot more organic chemistry, a lot more drug development. And the key thing for me was a lot less maths. <laughs> so that is the honest reason why I preferred to go down that route. Um, so it's kind of ironic that I've gone into nuclear sector, which is, which is a lot more about physical chemistry and physics. Um, how did you find your time at, at St Andrews? I really, really loved it. It's, it's quite a small town uh, and growing up in the countryside, that, that suited me quite well. Uh, it's quite easy to make friends there. And you All the time you were bumping into people that you, you knew and, and I really liked that aspect of it. Um, I also worked there um, at Ladbrokes in the betting shops throughout my five years there. And what that did is that gave me a real sort of personal connection to the town that, that wasn't as a student. So I was kind of, I had a, a, a separate identity as a, a local almost, <laughs> although I didn't have a Scottish accent. Uh, they, they really looked after me and I got to meet a lot of local people. And uh, like, for example, joined the local darts league where, you know, student, there weren't any other students in that league other than me. Um, but that was a, a really nice experience. And I've, I've tried to keep that up wherever I've lived since, uh, playing darts, because it allows me to get to lo know local people. And I, I really enjoy that. And it gives you a sense of safety and security when you're sort of growing up through your 20s and in, in, in new places where you, you don't know anybody and, and you're living on your own. So, yeah, it's been really helpful for me. So how do you think you changed during that time at St Andrews? I think the main change was in my motivations and the, the reasons for, for working. I think when I went to university, um, up until that point, I think I'd worked hard to, to really make sure that my parents were proud and that <laughs> they didn't think I was slacking. <laughs> But through university, I guess I found my own motivations as to why I was studying particular topics and, and what I wanted to, to do with that. So, yeah, I really started to form my own idea of why I was doing something. I guess that kind of is why I'm in nuclear, <laughs> really, why I decided to go down that route, because it was my belief that it was something that could, could help the world. Um, and that's where my, 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 my motivations changed. Well, that, that's good to recognise, isn't it? Because things do change as you, you know, grow and develop and have different experiences. Um, but straight after university, you spent a little bit of time at British Sugar. So what, what were you doing there and, and why there? And then why did you move to join Sellafield in uh, reprocessing of fuel? I mean, basically, I got to the end of my master's degree in St Andrews and 
wasn't particularly prepared uh, and had a bit of a panic <laughs> and thought, what, what should I do next? <laughs> I'd sort of looked into PhDs, but nothing had really was suitable or grabbed me. Um, but so I had a conversation with a, a high school friend from Millam who actually worked at British Sugar. Um, and he said, there's a, a job going in the lab at one of the sugar manufacturing uh, facilities. Why don't you give it a go? I said, great. Um, and went down there and did shift work, um, work, working in the lab there, providing direct operational support. So I could see how the analysis I was doing on the bench top really affected the operation of the plant. Uh, and I could really see how my, my work, my job fit into the overall bigger picture. Um, so that was, yeah, that was really nice. Um, and I guess I used that time that was seasonal work i used that time to think okay what do i really want to do um and I, I applied for a number of graduate schemes but the one that really grabbed me was the the sellerfield one um and I'd, I'd never really thought about nuclear before but my stepdad had worked on sellerfield site a lot he talked about it a lot as i had grown up but i hadn't really paid much attention to it if i'm honest <laughs> But I'm glad that he did talk about it now. Um, so yeah, I, I applied and I think I became known as the local lad because I grew up um, in that area. And I think that helped me get the, the role, if I'm honest. And how did you feel? Uh, um, I mean, it's, it's quite an experience going on to Sellafield site, isn't it? How did you feel going on to site on your first day? I mean, you're just in awe at the, the sheer scale of everything. It's, it's its own town, isn't it, Sellafield site? And I mean, I'd been there as a, as a kid on the site tour when it, when it was open and you could jump on a bus and, and, and go around and see it. Um, but I guess it's, yeah, it's different when you're there to do a job, isn't it? Um, and it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice feeling to feel part of that, that big um, town. <laughs> it is an amazing place. Um, so, so you worked there in the reprocessing of uh, nuclear fuel, and then you moved to the National Nuclear Laboratory. Um, tell us a little bit about what you were doing at, at NNL. Yeah, so my my main role was still as a chemist, um, but rather than in spent fuel reprocessing, it was more towards uh, power plant operations, so coolant chemistry, corrosion materials that that kind of thing and that was my principal role um the the job was really varied and i looked at not just operational plants but plants being decommissioning um and the corrosion in those facilities that kind of thing but then also i had a, a maybe a few weeks into the job i i met you andrew and uh, we, we got talking and and that really changed the direction of what I would do at NNL as well, because uh, you introduced me to uh, Colette Grundy, who led the public engagement um, research on, on nuclear topics. Um, so I did a lot of work, a lot of research in that area, both in the UK and abroad um, under, under Colette's supervision. Uh, so I got, I got a really broad experience of both the technical aspects of nuclear as well as the social aspect it's really interesting that that sort of boundary you know we sometimes think it's either technical or social but actually you can apply the sort of scientific method to understand some of the social dynamics can't you 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the social side does throw a few curveballs at you as well. <laughs> That's true. Somebody said to me in, a, in an interview once, what's the difference between, uh, what was it he said, managing a, an experiment or managing people? And the answer he was looking for was people do unexpected things. <laughs> which, which i think sometimes experiments do as well <laughs> yeah because all of our experiments just go smoothly don't they you know <laughs> of course they linear. do <laughs> of course yeah more recently then um after you know almost five years i guess at nnl and almost 10 years since you graduated from st andrews you have decided to start a phd and you decided to start a PhD at the University of Tokyo in Japan. So tell us about that little journey and what, what made you decide to do that? Sure. I mean, I'll start with the PhD part uh, on its own, I guess. It, it's something that I thought about a lot in my time working at NNL because I worked with a lot of people that had PhDs um, and I could just see how confident they were in their technical ability their technical reasoning and you could see the way that they planned experiments um, and I didn't have that confidence I, I didn't feel that I could do that myself because um, I hadn't spent that much time really really focused on on research um, so I went I wanted to do that myself learn how to do that myself um, so that's one reason for, for doing a PhD. Um, why in Japan? Uh, well, when I was in St. Andrews, I met my now fiance, uh, who's Japanese. Um, and she did her PhD in the UK and graduated in 2018 from University of Exeter. Um, so when it came to the end of 2018, I had a chance to think, okay, maybe it's my turn now. <laughs> And since she came over from Japan to do her PhD here, I thought, why don't I go over to Japan, do my PhD there? And then that gives us both some flexibility for sort of planning the rest of our lives together, really. Yeah, that does. It opens up all sorts of options, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, it, you know, it turns out that, that Japan's got a pretty solid nuclear industry, and particularly in the research, a lot of investment. So it's not a bad place to go for, for nuclear research. So during lockdown, you were preparing all your forms and sitting exams and all that sort of thing. So how did you find that? Basically, in at the end of March, my bags were packed and I was ready to go. Uh, and a few days before I was due to fly out, everything locked down. <laughs> and <laughs> my plans changed a little bit. Um, and it was basically working on a month by month basis to see if Japan would reopen its borders um, and, but in that time I had to prepare for the entrance exam which was heavily maths based uh, which as I mentioned before not my favorite subject um, but I tried to see it as an opportunity to learn something new um, it was a challenge and I had to get a tutor um, but I got there in the end I'm in Japan now um, I'm enrolled as a PhD student. I have my student card, so I'm very happy. So it all worked out in the end. So tell us about your thoughts for your future. Yeah, so I think over the last year or so, I've been thinking about what I want to do ultimately. And there are three things that I know I really enjoy. It's the international aspect of the work that I've done. Um, 
it's the leadership aspects of the work that I've done uh, particularly at NNL leading some of the smaller research programs. Um, and it's obviously the nuclear and the nuclear research aspect. So I want to become an international leader of nuclear research. Um, that's that's the plan. Uh, I think a PhD will help me get there. Doing it in Japan will certainly help me get there. Um, and doing it in nuclear fusion materials will help me get there. So um, yeah, that's the plan in a nutshell. That's fantastic. So you're on the journey, you're on the right path in the right place at the right time, which is lovely to hear. I hope so. Ruben, thanks so much for chatting to me this morning. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. If you've enjoyed this podcast, to help others enjoy it too, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And don't forget to rate and review. Thank you.